Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Six eight seven zero seven zero zero. You know, as we are recording, I'm still pondering what this title is going to be for this episode. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe I have writer's block or something. I don't know. But we're going to talk about the accusations that have popped up in the past couple of days about Judge Brett Kavanaugh. You know, just so happened right when the vote is going to happen for him to be. Supreme Court justice. I mean, it's so convenient that out of 30, over 30 years that right at this time, it, I mean, right now, I mean, the, the coincidence of that, I mean, really, anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the Emmys, Emmys and, you know, it's going to be real little because apparently a lot of you didn't even watch, probably none of you that are listening watched. So that, and we're going to talk with Courtney Balaker, writer-director of Little Pink House. All this on this episode of Trench Chat. of America. Here's the podcast where we talk politics, a little entertainment, some culture, and this and that from the road to your ears. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Hillary Kennedy. This is Trend Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect with us, whether on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or Snapchat, it's all the same name, Trend Chat 24 7. 
I, I sound a little more upbeat. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess if, if you've been listening and hearing me do the intro, that that felt a little different how it came out. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So appreciate everyone coming in, you know, listening. And like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about you know what's going on. And I tell you, the hot trend right now, you know, this is trend chat, so. <laughs> That will be Judge Brett Kavanaugh's accuser. Um, it's been all over the news right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first off, let's uh, go ahead and get these Emmys out of the way because it's not going to be much. Because it's basically the same old song and dance. Uh, the liberals, you know, these progressive left leftists, socialists, communist whatever you want to call them anyway they'll come up on stage they say you know how evil trump is and we hate trump and republicans are stupid gop sucks and you know, christians all they you know they're they're stupid and blah blah and you know and look at our great films and we just you know pushing our leftist agenda and we just pat ourselves on the back and eat fifty thousand dollar stakes or whatever like that i don't know that's basically that was the emmys wrapped up so that's it except for well let me say one one other thing i did see a trailer for uh a tv series last year that once i saw it i knew it was gonna be it was gonna win an emmy and it did and that was the assassination of giovanni versace that won an emmy I saw the trailer. I haven't seen one minute of that show. Don't plan on seeing, not going to see it. But as soon as I saw the trailer, I said, that's going to win an Emmy. Mainly because it was talking about Giovanni Versace, you know, a flamboyant gay guy, talking about his relationships with other gay guys, whatever. And, and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, that's going to win an Emmy. I don't even know who the nominees are. I mean, obviously, there were no nominees back then. It was just it, moving, um, the series haven't even um, premiered on FX at the time. But once I saw it, I'm like, that's going to win an Emmy. Unless something else, you know, crazy, <laughs> something crazier came out, <laughs> but nothing, I guess nothing else did because it won it. It won. And yeah, so that's the only thing about it. And I don't even know if I even mentioned it on this podcast. I know I mentioned it to some other people just by, I don't know. It was just an observation I had. So that's enough on image because they just, you know, doing what they do. Same old, same old, same old. It's going to be the same thing when the Oscars and and the golden globes and you know take a pick so let's yeah let's go ahead and move on to something that that i don't know how many of you who are listening probably knew about maybe y'all have but in the midst of all this you know hoopla about the accuser and talking about brett kavanaugh in the past uh, couple of days uh, DC des- decided to approve another spending bill. Yep, there we go. Another billion. Well, this is eight hundred over eight hundred billion dollars spending bill, appropriations bill. And I remember back in March, President Trump said, "I'm not going to sign another one of these." Like he felt, you know, it was he was reluctant to sign this the bill back in March, which was over one trillion. And now here we are again over 800 billion and i'm pretty sure he's probably gonna sign this sign this one so we're just kicking the can down the road 
keep the cycle continues. Just keep on spending, spending like we just don't like, <laughs> like it's nothing. But um, I'm pretty sure right now people are probably uh, were saying when it comes to this bill. Well, we have to pass this bill because we um, we, we don't want to have a government shutdown right before the midterms. I mean, we have so many competitive races races that are going on across the country. And Republicans are probably going to lose lose the House, and we don't want to add any more controversy before the midterms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. More excuses, another excuse, because after the midterms, it's going to be, well, we don't want to um, have a shutdown to look bad for 2020 or whatever. There's always going to be a crisis. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be any excuse to continue to spend. I Look. It's not rocket science. And look, you don't have to be a PhD. You don't have to have a PhD, a master's degree, a, a bachelor's degree, even a high school diploma to understand that it's never going to be a good time to stop spending. <laughs> it's never going to be a good time to where you will have to rein in spending. There's not going to be this pristine, opportune time like, all right, everything is great that we can stop spending right now. It's always going to be something going on. So when are you going to suck it up and start doing it? Apparently, it's probably going to be never. <laughs> um, it seems like it, at least. I, like I said, when we, we're not going to never have that that time. So one day, I don't know, either just stop worrying about your next election and worry about actually being the fiscal conservatives that you claiming to be <laughs> sooner or later. But apparently we're not going to do it right now because, like I said, we've got to worry about these midterms. So we you know, want to make sure we don't um, shut the government down right now, especially. But like I said, there's always going to be something. There's going to be I'm pretty sure in December there's going to be something. You know, actually, I, 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 I would not be surprised in December because that's when this bill ends. So in December, I would not be surprised, actually. If let's say for instance, if the Republicans hold the House, which is unlikely, but let's say if that happens and they hold the House and the Senate, I would not be surprised that they actually fight for reigning in spending at that particular time because the midterms have passed and we got some time before, you know, obviously before 2020. I would not be, I would be, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden they grow a spine and want to rein in spending. The problem is that they're not going to stick with it. They're, they're going to do it for maybe a couple of weeks and maybe there might be a shutdown for a week or two, but you know what? And you know, I'll take that back because it's December. So I would not be surprised. They, they might do it because they might feel, especially if we're talking about Republicans holding the house in the Senate, they might feel more bold to actually rein in spending. But then again, it's the, it's December. So, you know what the crisis is going to be then you don't want to shut down the government before Christmas. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's going to be. Then you don't want to take away the gifts from these, the gifts from the kids to these government employees. Do you, I mean, I can see it right now. I can see a, a, a news report on CNN where you, you got these kids under the tree looking all sad because daddy couldn't come buy a present because the government shut down. I can see that, but that would be the crisis in these, in these, in December. And so they'll probably pass another bill in. So then all that, that's with the Republicans winning the House. Now, if they, now, if the Democrats 
win the House in in the midterms, which is which is more likely. Uh, that's, that's I wouldn't be surprised. All of a sudden, we see these courageous fiscal conservatives just pop up out of the weeds and just start talking talking real bold about, hey, we need to stop spending. We need to really rein in the uh, the uh, fiscal. We need to be more fiscally responsible, even though I can't do crap about it. Because all the past two years, we had the chance and we failed to do it because we were scared about every little crisis that was going to come up. But now that we have no power, let's go. Let's talk tough now <laughs> about about being physically responsible again. And so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that happens, too. So <laughs> I'm just saying that now I'm just trying to say it just in case it does. And so I will sound smart. <laughs> but, but I just kind of feel that's what's going to happen. So but yeah, like I said, we're that 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 happened today. So if you was hearing all this news about the accusing of Judge Brett Kavanaugh, this was getting passed today. So yeah, that you know, just want to just wanted to bring it up. But um, we'll yeah we'll talk about those um the accusations a little bit about that. But before that, let's hear a word from my friends from the Founding Project. Hello, Trend Chat listeners. If you like the Founding Project's civics education video series, Civics for All Ages, and our educational meme series, we think you will love our new website. Join us at thefoundingproject.com and be a part of the civics movement. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. Hey, what's up? This is Kai Jones, and you're listening to me here at Trend Chat. So, like I mentioned in, in the beginning, there there has been an an accusation of uh, to Judge Brett Kavanaugh um, of I guess of sexual assault, and like I said, this this came out. Kind of all of a sudden in the in the past couple of days, right before it was um, coming up time to vote for him to be in in the Supreme Court. And you know, first of all, let me, let me say this is the burden of proof for anyone that is connected to a Republican in it or yeah of any sort. You know, whether they you know whether they're considered conservative or whatever, or just for, just Republican, the burden of proof is so low to the media, especially for it to be covered in comparison to when a Democrat has even something similar to this. Like say for instance, if this sort of accusation was going towards a Democrat, you wouldn't, you would never hear it for one day. Like, well, we need more proof than this. I mean, this is this this is not enough. I mean, we need we need like uh, medical records, and we we'll, we would need a live stream of 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 the accusation happening, and uh, we we need a notary, and we also would will need uh, DNA testing along. You know, we ask for medical records, but we need we need some um, uh, fingerprints, uh, blood samples, um, <laughs> and um, um, I guess a what you call carbon, well, 
carbon 13 dating we we'll, we'll need some some of that we'll I mean, I mean, the burden of proof they were asked for any sort of accusation toward the Democrat is so so much higher when it comes uh, for for them. But when it comes to anything connected to a Republican, anything that puts a Republican in a bad light, oh, you know, I could say something right now that that if uh, if it was something that made you know Republicans look bad, if I said something, all of a sudden CNN probably call me tomorrow. And all of a sudden, this episode get like a million hits. And they were like, oh, uh, Brian Blissell said such and such that uh, Republicans are whatever. And, and, and next thing I know, I, uh, I can get a book deal tomorrow. Who knows? I'm going to be surprised if the accuser gets one. But, hey, but, you know. So, now, one thing, one thing in particular that, um, like I said, I, this could be true. Now I'm not going to deny that. It could be true. It could be somewhat true. <clears throat> it could be not true at all. But I would say this: even if this is a hundred percent true, this account from this accuser, the fact that we have nothing else between that point back in high school when this happened, from that point to now, over thirty years, there are no other incidents. Nothing else has happened. You don't, you don't have like a pattern of of that happening back then and then something else a f- couple of years later and this happened with that woman and this happened, you know, that 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 woman here and a couple of years, another incident, another one here. Like you don't have a pattern. You just have this that happened back then. So even like I said, even if this was 100 percent true, then this still should not be held against them as far as being confirmed as a as a Supreme Court justice, just by this should not be a, be enough. I feel like he all, all he should do is apologize and then be confirmed. Cause obviously nothing there was, cause there's nothing else in between. We don't have like a, a, a serial uh, pattern here of misconduct or any, or anything like that. You're basically going to use something that happened 30 some odd years ago to impugn his character now. I mean, I, you know what? I'm, I'll say this too. And some people might not like this in particular, but you know, there's things about, let's say if it's um, Robert Francis O'Rourke, who is also known as Beto, <laughs> who is uh, running for uh, Senate in Texas. So he has a, you know, he has a record. But these things were like 20 years ago. Now, I don't think those things should be held against them. And now those are things people should know. Okay. But if you don't have anything else in between what happened back then to now, like I said, even like I said, with him, if there's, if there's not a pattern from that point to now, then I feel like, Kind of like the statutes of limitations, or, some, or as far as even for Beto, with what you know, whatever going on with him. And so, unless you have something else in between the, the, those twenty years, and apart from what happened back in you know back then with a DUI and everything, I wouldn't hold that against him. Now that being said, I definitely hope he loses. He ought, to, but he shouldn't. He should lose, given the fact that you know that he's a sanctuary city, city supporting, baby killing, anti Second Amendment socialist. That's why he should lose. He shouldn't lose. I mean, 
as far as because of what he did 20 years ago. That's that, I was hold that. I would say the same thing about him as I say about Kavanaugh now. I feel like it kind of goes both ways. I mean, I don't feel like they're these past transgressions, especially if, if we're talking about a a long period of time ago. And you don't like I keep saying this. If you don't have a pattern of things that has gone on since then. Like. So that's why I I just mentioned that. And I just feel like this is kind of being used. Um, this is this is just another stalling tactic stalling tactic by the um, by the democrats right now to basically uh, scare republicans which are which is not hard they're very skittish and any sort of negative uh news story from the democrats and from the media which are both the same they, they you know they definitely get very very scared and something like this now all of a sudden we have a hearing coming up now on monday um with the with the accuser and Judge Kavanaugh, which right as of right now, um, the past hour or so, the the accuser has now asked for a full FBI invest, investigation before she testifies. Um, <laughs> to which I think the FBI has already said they're not going to investigate. So. Guess she's not going to testify or what? I don't know what she's out here trying to make demands before she testify. But look, um, look, either she testifies on on Monday or whatever, and if she don't, then they need to just go ahead and vote and just just move on. And so, um, yeah, so I, yeah, that's that's my spiel on that and. That's um. Just wanted to mention that. Get get that off my chest. and stuff I've been thinking about all day. I just been wanted to <laughs> get it out. So so next we're here from our, our interview with uh, Courtney Balaker with Little Pink House. And but before that, let's hear a word from Politics. Hello, this is Brian Bledsoe, host of Trend Chat. Also, contributor at politichicks.com. Here to tell you about the new book called Politichicks, A Clearing Call to Political Activism. With over 300 pages from contributors like myself, talking about topics such as education, social issues, healthcare, the Second Amendment, and of course, activism. I encourage you all to check it out at politichicks.com and is also available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Commentary as subtle as a sledgehammer. This is Trend Chat. You know, intimate domain is one of those practices that can kind of make one question actually how free we really are. Because when government wants your land like bad enough, I mean, they can basically take it. And a case that came up in the early 2000s was a Kilo versus New London case. And it was presented before the Supreme Court. And that kind of changed the game as far as when it comes to intimate domain and and there was a movie made about it in the past year that has been released and we are pleased to have the writer and director of little pink house courtney balaker with us how you doing i'm doing great how are you doing all right well well first let me, let me mention this little pink house is available on itunes amazon voodoo other digital outlets as well as on dvd now anywhere else that i missed 
Uh, yeah, and most cable providers have it available for video on demand as well. Okay. I guess kind of give us a, a little bit of a summary as, as far as the, the case of Kilo versus Zulama. Sure. Uh, Suzette Kilo was a, um, a a nurse living in a blue-collar town called New London, Connecticut, and she uh, had raised five boys. They were all out of the house and she was leaving a bad marriage, and all she wanted to do was just find a peaceful place to kind of start the next chapter of her life. So she found this dilapidated cottage on the Thames River in New London, bought it, fixed it up with her bare hands, and looked forward to spending the rest of her life looking out at the, at the water at the end of a crazy hard day. And shortly after she bought the house, she found out that the city wanted a multi-billion dollar corporation to come in and, and renovate the city and uh, and, and build um, a facility that would benefit Pfizer, which was on the other side of that river. They had just invented Viagra, and they had a feeling it was going to be a big deal, and they were looking to expand, but they didn't want to go to New London. They It wasn't big enough. There was a very expensive sewage cleanup that they would have to put money into, but the city really wanted them there to create create jobs and tax revenue and, and clean it up. And so they lured Pfizer by saying, well, you don't have to spend any money. We'll use taxpayers' money to clean up the sewage plant. And, oh, you need more space? We'll, we'll, we'll get you more space. We'll consider this neighborhood blight and use eminent domain to acquire it. Well, that neighborhood was exactly where Suzette Kilo's dream house was. And so she said no. You can't have it. And her neighbor said no. And many of her neighbors were elderly people, some of whom were born in these houses. Uh, some people were in their 90s and wanted to die in these houses. And they were being told to leave. And so they fought. And they fought all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And because of their fight, uh, millions of Americans got to keep their homes. I saw that the beginning of this process was with your husband, Ted, who was also a producer of the film. Uh, he covered this case back in 2005, correct? Yeah, uh, he was producing for ABC News at the time, and he actually remembers exactly where he was when the Supreme Court decision uh, came out in 2005. He, he was following it very, very closely. Um, I was not as familiar with the case, and um, it, it was brought to our attention that a book existed called Little Pink House, written about the entire saga of Suzette Kilo in her neighborhood, and I read the book, and I was just stunned and um, astonished that this really happened and that it could happen in our country and that it was considered legal. Okay. I, I know I was, um, I wanted to ask, like, uh, how was it, um, I guess, in real time with him covering it um, and with the case, and like you mentioned, um, like I said, he, he knew where he was where the, when the decision went down, and was there any thought of I mean, I know you mentioned about the book. Were there any thought about anything else like this movie back then? No, um, there really wasn't. Uh, you know, I think that when the case, when the decision came out, I think people were just so completely shocked that the decision came out the way it did. Most people anticipated, um, you know, her to win. Mm. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, when it happened, people were just sort of, you know, reacting to the the shock. Um, it was a very uh, divisive, you know, issue. 
when the decision came out, most people hated the decision. I think 85% of Americans thought that this was a very dangerous decision in terms of what it means to Americans' property rights. So the book was written a, a few years after the decision came out, um, and then we got involved in terms of adapting the book into a film uh, about four years ago. Okay. And I don't know this is more of a statement, but it's just something I kind of want to ask you in particular, because to me, the details of this case kind of seem like, like a public-private partnership in a way, where a private company uses the government to take land where the private company probably would have more obstacles in their way as far as getting that, getting whatever land they were looking for. So they will partner up with the government to make it easier for them to take the land, which in sense kind of, you know, makes it cheaper for the private company, but also it kind of mitigates the public relations issue if one like this arise. Yeah, well, this was this was a classic case of cronyism, like you just described, where you yeah. have people in government teaming up with people in a private multi-billion dollar corporation uh, where they have all the power and the little guy doesn't. Um, and, and that's, you know, and unfortunately it happens a lot. And unfortunately it happens in um, poor communities typically because they don't have the connections and the resources to fight this type of cronyism. Um, so, yeah, we our hope in making the film was to, you know, at the very least shed a light on the dangers of cronyism, um, in particular with eminent domain abuse, which is what this specific story is about. Uh, but it really was just your very yeah typical case of, of cronyism, which is which is awful, and um, and we really hope that by shedding a light on it, that we can at least start conversations amongst people as to how this type of thing needs to just stop, to be put to an end. Yeah, I agree with you. Now the reason I I use the term public private partnership because that's just kind of the PC way of saying it. <laughs> Right. I, I, do, I, I agree with you, but that's, that's how I see it. I see it as well, though. Now, now one thing I kind of well, I mentioned just, just a minute ago as far as kind of mitigating the public relations, because whenever someone looks up this case, it says Kilo versus New London. But, I mean, it's not just New London. It's like the, it's the corporation as well, which was Pfizer. But unless you dig into the case, you don't even know uh, about the corporation. It's just the, mm -hmm. you know, the public, <laughs> the public sector. The, is the one that takes all the blame when this happens. So that's, I feel like that's another reason why a lot of this cronyism is, it goes on. Right. Now, in the decision, I know you mentioned about what happened as far as, you know, a lot of times these partnerships and whatever, that where they, the balance is leans against the poor, put it that way. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, or, or in the sense of people, or small businesses as well. And so in this decision, the decision was 5-4. And, you know, like given the details of the case, when you went to various film festivals, because, um, you know, this film won a number of awards, I just wanted to ask you, was there some shock at these film festivals, film festivals when they found out who was for and who was against? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. It was almost always shock um, <laughs> amongst the audiences. Uh, at film festivals, and, and even when we had our theatrical run, most people assumed, most people that were not familiar with the case or the story at all and were learning of it for the first time by watching this film, most people assumed that it was the conservative justices that voted against Suzette Kilo and her neighbors voting for the city to take the property 
and basically hand it over to private developers to benefit Pfizer. And the fact of the matter is that's not the case. It was, it was the liberal justices who voted for this um, because they deemed it public use. They thought that it was considered public use because of the tax revenue that it would create and it would be for the betterment of the town. Um, but essentially what it allowed the city to do was to basically take private property from a very you know, blue-collar, working-class neighborhood and hand it over to very wealthy people. Um, so, yeah, I, again, and, and it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough story to view through a political lens. It's it's not really a partisan issue because most people agreed, whether no matter what side they were on, that this was a really bad thing. Um, in fact, we had a congressional screening of the film back in April when we opened in theaters, and it was a hosted by a, a Democrat and a Republican who don't agree on anything pretty much, um, but they, they both agreed on this, that this was, a, this was a horrible decision, that this type of thing should never happen again. And so it's one of those rare issues that unites people across party lines. Yeah. Now, did any of that shop become like any sort of backlash? Or was it just mainly just where people just kind of just mentioned that, oh, I, I didn't know that um, it, it went that way or was it like, did it go further than that? Luckily, most people, it just kind of opened their eyes, um, meaning they it, they just made them think about that very fact that, well, maybe the world isn't as black and white as I thought, or maybe, you know, the, the liberal justices don't always vote uh, for things that I would agree with. Um, there was one instance where somebody got really angry about it. It was during a Q&A in San Francisco, and he actually told me that that wasn't true. <laughs> uh, you can look it up. It's just, so, <laughs> like so he, he said... was just very adamant that I was wrong, and he and he he insisted that Scalia wrote the decision, and this, Scalia was he was on the dissenting side. So I don't know. I mean. I, I think that for some people it's really disturbing to them and it's hard for them to accept because they want to believe that Ruth Bader Ginsburg always makes the right choice. But <laughs> in this case, she didn't. And, you know, so again, it's it's like this, you know, it's not a black and white issue. And I think that people, but like I said, most people, it, it made them really, they just sort of nodded their head, even though they were surprised, but it made them really think about that. So, so the person just said that you were wrong, that, <laughs> that it it was a five four that that these justices didn't didn't set, um, go for or against. I mean, was it just a case of where he just didn't where it was he was thinking about another case or or what? I, well, he claimed he claimed he read the decision, and I I I was completely confused by the entire conversation. I mean, I I had to at some point just tell him that, you know, and very, very politely, I I just said, look, sir, I, that that's not true. Scalia did not write the, you know, the decision in, in which Suzette Kilo and her neighbors were bulldozed out of their, their pro off of their property. And mm -hmm. I'm so, you know, you, you can certainly look it up after the, this Q&A. I mean, he was trying to dominate the Q&A and make it this sort of political statement. But, mm -hmm. but that was only one instance. I mean, yeah. for the most part, you know, people, you know, they they just kind of, you know, yeah, they were surprised but accepted it. How long, I guess, when the ball started rolling to making this film, how long did it all take before it got released? 
Um, it took from the minute we optioned the rights to the book and Suzette Kilo's life rights to um, finishing the film. It was a it was a period of about three years, which in Hollywood time that's pretty fast for a film to get made. Um, um, which yeah, we we pretty much uh, we we did everything. My husband and I we we raised the money we put the cast and crew together we um yeah we it, it was it, three years is not a long time to get a movie made these days sometimes it takes 10 years so we were very happy that we were able to accomplish what we did in that period of time yeah and, uh now you're talking with someone that knows nothing about how films are made and processed in in that so i guess one thing I, I, that that just kind of popped in my head i mean if we're, if we're talking about a more I guess this is like a, I guess you would call it like an independent film. So um, those films take even longer, I'm guessing, to get made as opposed to, you know, the major studio films. Yeah, typically because independent films don't have the support of a studio. They're, they're you know, they have the task of raising the money mm-hmm. independently. And then, um, you know, attaching cast can be kind of tricky um, when you're not affiliated with a distributor or a studio. So, yeah, it, it, it could typically be more challenging. But then on the flip side of that, there's a lot more freedom. You're not beholden to a studio creatively. You have a lot mm. more freedom um, in terms of how you tell the story. And that, that's why we made it the way we made it. We did not want to make it with the studio. We wanted complete creative control of the story. We wanted we felt like we owed it to Suzette Kilo to be very true and honest to her experience. And we didn't want anything to um, pervert the truth. Um, so that's why we made the decision to make it independently. And, you know, speaking of cast, I mean, you got, you know, acclaimed actresses, you know, Catherine Keener and Janine Triplehorn in this film. And it's funny, um, back when I was you know, thinking about having you on, I just saw uh, Sicario too, <laughs> and oh yeah, and so and then I saw her in there I, in the movie. I mean, I've seen it in, in other films as well. So how did they get um, you know, get involved in in the movie? Well, um, we started with Catherine. I've always been a huge fan of her um, as an actress and an artist, and we didn't think we would get her, but we just gave it a shot and sent the script to her agent. And luckily, she really responded to the material. Um, and then after she signed on, um, we we sent sent it to Jean, and they had never worked together, but knew each other and did want to work together. And yeah, we were just really really fortunate to get the uh, caliber of talent that we did for the film. Okay, and now my, I guess my next question to me kind of feels a little silly because I know when I ask you this, it's like this is so second nature for you, but. <laughs> But for someone like myself that, like I said, hasn't done any of this, and I just want to ask, like I mentioned earlier, this film won a number of awards at film festivals. And, you know, as someone, I've never been to a film festival at all. And so what is it like even going to a film festival, let alone having your film played at a festival? <laughs> oh, yeah, film festivals are great. Um, we we got we played at some fantastic festivals. They were really supportive of the film. We premiered at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival, and we played at a number of other ones. I mean, going to film festivals is, is a really great experience. You get to meet other filmmakers. You get to see other independent films that are um, at the festival. Um, you get to 
see your film played in front of an audience for the first time um, and then do Q&As and talk to people about it. it. It's just a very vibrant, exciting uh, atmosphere. Um, we, we really had great luck in terms of good audience attendance at all of the festivals. As you mentioned, we won a number of awards. and. It was a really great experience. I'm, I'm really glad that we did it. We, that wasn't our plan um, to do the festival track, uh, but we had some opportunities that presented themselves, and we took them, and, and it, was, it was really great. Now, well, speaking of Kilo in the Kilo versus New London case, Suzette Kilo, uh, what did she think of the film? Oh, she was really happy with how the film came out. Obviously, it's very bizarre and surreal for someone to see a film made about one of the most tragic parts of their lives. So it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, but I think she really, she, she was so supportive of the film. She came to as many screenings as she could and did Q and A's with me and Ted and um, very supportive of how the film came out. And I think for the first time in her life, or I should say since this ordeal happened, I think she really saw people relate I mean, people who had tears in their eyes would give her standing ovations at the, at the Q and A's. Would come up and hug her and thank her for her bravery and her fight. And I think that was really gratifying to her to see people really get it, um, really understand what she went through and why she did what she did. And it, overall, she's she's become a very dear friend to us. And and I, I've had the honor and pleasure of meeting some of her sons. And and so it's it's been a really great experience. All right, so. Where can everyone, I guess, if they want to get in touch with you, whether um, or know more about the movie on social media, websites, where can they go? Yes, littlepinkhousemovie.com is where you can find everything. You can find out how to buy the movie, how to rent the movie, how to bring the movie to your local theater. If you want to make an event out of it, littlepinkhousemovie.com. We're on Facebook, Little Pink House Movie, Twitter, Instagram. So, yes, please check us out. Please see the film. Um, and please contact us if you have any questions. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And like you said, everyone that's hearing this, you know, check it out. Thanks so much for having me. This is Dana Lash, and you're listening to Trend Chat. Yep, and thanks to Courtney for joining us. So, uh, well, I guess we're pretty much at the end. I appreciate everyone listening, everyone that has been listening so far in this you know, here we are with this episode 110 now, and um, yeah, so I, I don't, I don't think I say it enough, and just wanted to mention that. And also, before we go, something I guess I definitely should have mentioned in the beginning. You know, everyone that has been affected out there in in the uh, North Carolina, South Carolina area, or surrounding states as far as with hurricane florence i hope everything's going well there and and that whatever uh, you know whatever that has been going on and that it would be a speedy recovery out there you know it's funny just uh, one of these memes that went around about hurricane florence you were seeing this thing about uh anderson cooper and they were showing him standing in a ditch and it was saying that he was reporting about about Hurricane Florence and turned to find out that wasn't what the pitch they were showing was like eight years ago but at, but the, you know but the point remained the same even though it was mis I guess misreported as trying to say it was you know this year but it 
but still, if you see the picture, it does kind of paint <laughs> paint the picture of that you know trying to make the trying to make the damage look you know worse than it than it really is. Uh, even though that was eight, what, well, ten years ago. So, but um, but yeah. So, but yeah. Like I said, I hope everyone's um, you know, getting everything together and whoever you know, everybody's been affected, just um, uh, start to rebuild. So, also, before we go, um, I also found out you know today being September uh, what September eighteenth. It's the 71st birthday of the Air Force. You know, have some uh, relatives who are uh, who were, were in the Air Force, and you know, happy 71st birthday. Also, the reason I kind of thought about it too is because um, Marvel debuted the first trailer for Captain Marvel today, which when I, I you know, I've been kind of wondering when are they going to show this, you know, show a trailer for this movie coming up, and um, and then when it came out this morning and then i was kind of reminded of the 71st birthday of the air force and then like oh you know i i'm pretty sure marvel did it this way on purpose I, i'm guessing or may i can doubt this it was a coincidence but but yeah but yeah so in the comic in the comic books um carol danvers who is captain marvel is a pilot in the air force and so i don't know they that's that was today was the day that they decided to debut the trailer for Captain Marvel, which looked, which looked pretty good. Um, just glad to see something about the movie. Um, it looked more, of, you know, this is definitely more of a teaser, but and obviously there'll be more coming out in the coming out, you know, next couple of months because the movie does, doesn't come out until what what um March of, of next year. So, but yeah, so. Kind of, kind of cool to see that. Here they wrapping, oh, here they wrapping me up now. So, kind of like the Emmys or any other award show, they're kind of just kicking me off the stage right now. So, <laughs> and well, we're all, we're almost out of time anyway. So, I keep on talking, they would just cut me off, and then I'll be just talking to the mic, and none of you will actually hear me. So, <laughs> anyway, appreciate y'all listening, and actually, we'll be back again on Thursday, hopefully. So, until then, we'll chat with you later. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, 
we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700.